Welcome back to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. We're excited to be here with you. Uh, my name is Andy. I am the Hillbilly of the group, so they tell me. Uh, coming to you from Owensboro, Kentucky. And then with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Mr. Chad. How you doing today, Andy? How's, a, how's everything going? You know, living, living that dream, I think. Um, it, it's been an interesting week, and it's only Wednesday. As That's of recording right. this, it's only Wednesday. Um, yeah, like some some craziness, some laughter, some holy crap moments. Uh, and then this morning was phenomenal. I, I called you shortly after it happened. Uh, today is see you at the poll. That's a national thing. If you don't know what it is, um, kids from all ages. Uh, grade school up to high school, and, and I'm assuming some colleges do it. Um, well, and I've been part of an adult see you at the poll in East Texas at a at a public library that we organized. So I think it's even out of schools even now. I mean, I would be all for that. I've just been with students my whole life. Um, but yeah, they meet at a flagpole and they pray for for different aspects. And I had the opportunity to go to my son's grade school this morning, and it was totally student led which when i read that i was like man how's a grade schooler is gonna gonna lead this but it was phenomenally done um obviously the little girl had some help from uh, an fca sponsor but uh it was pretty cool 30 or 40 you know grade schoolers outside it was a little chilly but they were outside gathered around a pole um praying for their school their their classmates students across the nation our country and the world um, I got to watch my son interact with some other kids uh, in a prayer time and, and how serious not only him, but most of the kids out there took it without the teachers being like, hey, hey, you know, calm down. Like they, they were they were there for a reason and a purpose. And, uh, and this had, is great. This is great school going to like sixth grade, right? K through five. K through five. Wow. K through five. Yep. And uh, Turner's in third grade, uh, but there, there was, and then one dad, um, which I'm assuming is one of the FCA kids' dads, uh, brought his guitar. And so after we prayed, we had a time of, of worship. We were singing a couple of praise songs, and it was. So I've experienced some cool moments with students. Uh, this is by far one of the coolest that I have have experienced. You know, just a bunch of grade schoolers, just it, 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 in ways that only grade schoolers can. Um, and it may not have looked like much, and it may not have sounded like much to us, but I can just imagine, like, with a smile on God's face, looking down at a bunch of grade schoolers. Oh, amen. As passionately as they can, and as, as hard as they can, praying for their classmates and their schools and their teachers and so on, and it was it was pretty awesome. Like I, it brought me to tears. Um, like I was walking into my truck, just had tears streaming. So it yeah, I, I think my best see you at the pole experience personally was. Well, I guess I've got two, but they're different scales. Definitely when I was I was in youth ministry, I was serving as a youth pastor in in East Texas, little town. And, and, you know, multiple schools in this town, so they had staggered starts. So I got to go to about three schools that day, plus then the adult one at the library. And just seeing the abundance of kids at, you know, my kids went, my kids' school was an intermediate school. So it was, uh, if I if I remember correctly, I think it was like second to fifth. Like they, so they went like second grade to fifth grade. But the whole school, teachers out there, Kids praying. The high school was just packed with kids. And then I think out here in Colorado, um, nobody really knew about it that much, at least when I was a youth pastor here. And the one day to see you at the poll at a high school, I, I chose I randomly chose a high school out of all my all my kids went to different schools. So I chose one that I would go to because they all seemed to start at the same time and nobody showed up. It was just the two kids from my youth ministry who went to that school and they stood outside and I was proud of them for, because that's hard, you know, it's hard enough for us as adults, but now you're, you're a teenager and you're like, who's the weird kid 
at the pole. What the heck is he doing there? And I was really proud of him. I experienced something like that last year, you know, coming out of COVID. And uh, and in Terre Haute last year at Sea of the Pole Day, it was unseasonably cold. And so here I am with my truck backed up to the pole and the sound system up and music playing. And I'm like, hey, you know, and then I've got two, two, three of my kids. And then like two students that knew me. Yeah. And that was it. And so you got all these parents dropping people off and they're like, why is there a random fat guy like playing music to attract children? And he's dressed like a 12 year old. He's dressed like a 12 year old. Like his hair is oh, like that. It might be a youth pastor. <laughs> you might be a youth pastor if. Yeah. So, so I, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, man, like, I forget every year. Like every year I get these emails like, see, the poll's coming up. And I'm like, ah. You know how much earlier I have to get up? And in the grand scheme of things, it's 15 minutes, but whatever. (laughs) You know how much earlier I have to get up? And do I really want to deal with this? And then every year I go and I'm just like, it was stupid for me to whine. Like, this is, this is big stuff. Yeah. And and I, I remember one year buying all the CU at the pole merchandise for my, my student (laughs) ministry, right? Give them little cards and bought t-shirts and everything like that. And it never equated to them participating. It was the times when it kind of snuck up on you and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's see you at the poll. And then they'd always surprise you, you know, with, with less prep or less talking about it. They would just, you know, they, they'd feel more. I guess the other way it felt obligatory, maybe. I don't know. I never experienced it as a kid. There was I, I never knew about it when I was a kid or even in college or anything. It was definitely not till I was in youth ministry um, that I heard about it and learned about it. Well, I mean, I'm considerably younger than you, so I get it, but I had it. I, I would pump the brakes on considerably. You're slightly <laughs> younger than I am. Calm down, Dad. It'll be okay. But let me ask you this. Um, FCA. So, you, you know, you, there was a presence, there was an FCA presence there, and you've served, and, and I, I've served in, in similar communities to places where you've served in ministry, and, you know, and I, I, I've served in a bigger city. But the times, particularly in smaller places, where there's a healthy presence from FCA, I, I think that those schools seem to be really they're vital ministries. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, so I don't have a lot of experience with FCA. And I don't either firsthand. I've just worked alongside them, but it seems where FCA is, those those are healthy, those are healthy student ministries that are ripe to yeah. to participate. Yeah, so I, I would assume so. Um, so in Terre Haute, where we were, um, we had a different organization, Youth for Christ, um, so it wasn't necessarily geared towards athletes and stuff like that, but, uh, we had, we had the key, we called him the Keebler elf or Papa Smurf. God love Tim Ramsey. If you're listening <laughs> to this, I love you and miss you dearly, but he would, he got all the youth pastors from, I mean, uh, denominationally, like there were no denominational walls. We had a Catholic youth pastor. We had church of Christ. We had Baptist. We had, uh, Pentecostal, um, the Wesleyans, when they when they you know thought they were saved, they came. Uh, I'm just I'm sorry. When I'm they sorry. could leave the when they could leave the building. Yeah, when they could leave the building, they came. Um, so, and we looked at our community as one giant youth group, and that was Tim's dream. Like it's not, it's not Andy's youth group, and it's not Chad's youth group, and it's not so and so or this church. It's the the community of code is one giant youth group with all these thousands upon thousands of students. How do we reach them? And how do we love them? Now, Terre Haute's numbers um, shocked me when I saw the poverty level and the, the lack of just everything in that community. Um, and so these students, some of them came from some stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. And so most of the kids, I would say, that that acted like they didn't care, it was because they thought nobody cared about them. 
And so it was a little different in Terre Haute because we had awesome access to the schools. Like I could just walk up to the school and be like, hey, uh, I'm a youth pastor. And like, hey, Andy, just go. Yeah, so, I've never that, – that's the only place – I thought I had it – I experienced it in a different world in Texas where I served. But my time there in Indiana, like I, I never – I mean, you could show up at the superintendent's office and he'd pray with you. Like, oh, absolutely. That was like it's, unprecedented access. You know, I, I'm in Kentucky, part of the Bible Belt here, and we, we don't have that here. So to be able to just walk into a school and like I spent when I subbed, right? Like I built those relationships. They all knew I was a youth pastor. They all knew that I was subbing for, you know, obviously to help out during the, you know, the time that they needed them. But also like that's where my students were. That's where I wanted to be. And so they knew there were ulterior motives. Like I wanted to be around the students and so they would feel more comfortable with me and I could share the gospel in different ways without actually saying it. Uh, but I not only became like Pastor Andy, friend Andy, Mr. Crow, all that, but I also became like the school chaplain where teachers and, and administrative staff were coming to me. And it and Tim has something really if you if you don't know Tim Ramsier uh, and you really want to talk youth ministry and building community, Tim Ramsier out of Terre Haute is where to go. Because yeah. he he can mobilize some people. He, he does look like the Keebler elf, and maybe <laughs> if you're nice, he'll come out of the tree and bake you some cookies. But that dude, he he knows what he's doing, and he's very good at it. He's he's about building that community. So then later on, you know, it it'll help build that help build the kingdom. So now if Tim's one of our Indiana listeners, our, 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 list, our downloads in Indiana just are going to either skyrocket or drop. <laughs> yeah. Tim, if you're listening, please don't be mad that I've told the world I call you Papa Smurf. I still love <laughs> But think about that with community, what you, what, what you all were trying to build out there. And, and I, I mean, I witnessed it. I saw it. It, it, it was successful. I mean – you got kids who were unchurched to partake in, in some of those events at school and, and, you know, when you would sit with them after school and bring snacks and things like that. And just to really feel that that kind of sense of belonging. But Donut, Donut Club was amazing. We Donut go, Club. That's what it was. I could go one and we had some after school stuff, too, but it was mostly, you know, each middle school and high school. We'd go one morning a week, two or three of us together before school and we'd take. Two, three dozen donuts, or ten dozen, depending on the school. Um, and every kid that you know, you could go sit in the gym and wait for school to start, and you'd have to deal with all the teachers and the principals and their rules, and nobody likes their rules. Right. You could come with that weird, loud, big guy and his friends, and we're going to give you a donut, and we're going to hang out, play games. The only stipulation is, like, I give you a donut. And you listen to me talk for the last five minutes before school starts. Yeah. It was a good trade-off. I mean, kids loved it because we were playing Still the Bacon and Dodgeball and Ball. I mean, just the dumbest games. I had them scooting across the floor on uh, couch rollers and plungers. I'm telling you, give a youth pastor a plunger, we'll play for days. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one, this is totally off subject, maybe. I, we were having um, a weekend retreat, and I had this game I wanted to play, and I, you know, ran into Walmart, and I bought eight plungers. That's the only thing. Oh, eight plungers and a, a giant, like, size thing of toilet paper. And I remember sitting all that on the conveyor belt, and the, the, the cashier looked at me, and she goes, been a rough morning, huh? Yeah. Because I didn't think, like, I had just, I dropped the kids off from school, and I wasn't going into the office because I was going to be there at night, and it was early, so I still had, like, you know, basketball shorts and just a loose t-shirt and a hat that was sideways, and I mean, I looked disheveled. So God knows what she thought happened at my house or came out of me, but that's just the, the sheer panic on her face and <laughs> a rough day, huh? 
She reported you to Homeland Security after that. <laughs> she did. That's probably why I have that van sitting outside my house. <laughs> but think about that work community, right? What's what's community look like now? Do you, first, I mean, first of all, even serious. I love the TV show community. Oh yeah, me too. The most of it. The, those last couple of seasons were a little wonky. They were rough. So my wife Ashley, whom I love dearly, and now that we're on Apple, and now she listens. Apple, now she listens. She is a friend of the podcast. Shout hey, out to Ashley, Ashley. Shout out to Ashley, friend of the podcast. Doctor Ashley, to you. Doctor, doctor, wife. Yes, um, she works at a community college now, and uh, so we have decided that when she finishes the office, uh, we're going to watch the show Community. So has she not seen that either? She is not, and I'm so excited to rewatch it. So I will just tell you this: living in Colorado, in the area where it was to take place, none of it exists. <laughs> Why would you ruin my night? Like it's this? completely fictitious. Like we're getting ready to die deep subject i wanted to take a happy side turn and now you killed my hopes and dreams that's how i am all right let's talk about community i i've just been bitter since i learned that the uh cherry limeades at sonic are really just sprite (laughs) with a couple of cherries in the bottom of it so after i've learned that i've just been bitter yes (laughs) how did we get on this subject well i'm telling you why i i'm a spoiler alert because I had Sonic right, Jerry Limeade spoiled for me. Future future podcast coming about Sonic Nerds, I guess. All right, back to community. What was your question? Because I got sidetracked. Uh, well, you know, you guys were trying to build a community with those kids. And, I mean, it's hard enough as an adult. Like, I, I don't know what community looks like now. I mean, I think we have pockets that we, we try. So you think about the world that you and I move in the church world um you know both have done it as church members and both vocationally like that's a community sure we have our church community but for a lot of folks it's a sunday thing it's a click it's not a community it's become a click well it's a click or for those that don't necessarily have that click mindset it's just their sunday group right it's my church it's my church time my church folks my church family and I and we don't think about them on Mondays or Thursday or Friday. And and so, what does community look like to you now? Like, you know, and you you've got it way more skin in the like game now, or what I want it to look like. What does it look like in reality? You have way more skin in the game with young folks, and I I think I mean I'm I'm the angry old man. We I have <laughs> I have morphed into Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino. Um, and I don't like anything new and, and I'm not like completely anti-social media, but I think that social media has given us this false sense of community because I will tell you this, I don't think she'll be listening, but I remember my sister-in-law who lived in a town of 1300, who never lived in a town bigger than 1500 her entire life had fought, was touting that she had 5,000 friends cause she had five, she was closing in on 5,000 Facebook friends. And I told her, I said, the three towns you've lived in your life don't add up to 5,000. How do you know these people? Oh, I don't. They just, you know, there's no real. But to her, it was the greatest accomplishment of her life. And there's no relationships being forged. I unfortunately think that social media is the single-handed best and worst thing to ever happen to society. Sure. Yes, I think social media is probably the single-handedly best and worst thing that has ever happened to society. Um, and I say that because, like, when, when Turner was born and then later when Mason moved in, um, I I was four to six hours away from my family, and we were two to, to five from, from Ash's family, and I would post pictures every so often. And I remember there's one time that, that Memo called, and, you know, if she called, I'm going to answer and she's like, where's my picture, Andy? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You've gone seen it. She was like, you haven't posted a picture of Turner in two days. And I know he's done something cute. I was like, he's three years <laughs> old. He farts and he eats and he sleeps. And that's but it. it's cute. And, but not when I do it, evidently. I sent pictures of that and she wasn't having it. <laughs> but like, so it's a way to, you know, 
me and you, you know, we would we would get the the, the Twitter going every so often. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, so me and you are probably a bad example because we'll do this stuff. But you know, when you live further away, absolutely, it can be good to keep in contact, especially with loved ones. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And all but, that. Yeah, I, I think it has. There's definitely those are the good the pros of it for sure. But the, but the worst part is, man, like you control somebody. And there are no repercussions. Right. And so even in your pro point about so family members, so your family members six hours away who are cooing over your 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 kids baby pictures or little cute videos, then, you know, crazy Uncle Joe, who you haven't seen since three Thanksgivings ago, is now giving you all his conspiracy political theology rants. <laughs> you've, been talk- you've been talking to Dave because he gets those a lot. <laughs> he does, but I know you've gotten them a couple of times. And, and in all honesty, I haven't even touched Facebook. I have no social media now at all, but I have not touched Facebook for years. So I, I was out of that cesspool before the 2016 election. Facebook is like that dumpster fire that I can't walk away from. <laughs> it's your hometown. There's a, I think there's a town in Pennsylvania that has like an underground it has like some kind of underground trash fire or like maybe it has a tire fire or something like that, but it's that's just perpetually it burning. They can't get away from it, but nobody moves. Yep. That's what it is. That is Facebook. But I think it's killed our community because so, like you said, so many of us think, well, I've got 1500 people on Facebook. I've got, I'm on TikTok, right? I've got a little over 10,000 followers on TikTok. Like, is that a community? Or is that just a bunch of people? And I think so many of us think, oh, that's a community. And it can be. Don't get me wrong. I have met some of those people that I sure. follow that follow me, and we have become friends. Um, and we've built a small community. Um, but to say that all 10.4 thousand followers that I have are all 150 on Twitter and whatever I got on Facebook, like, that's not all community. No, I, I think no. even like we've just moved into this house and we've been here a couple weeks and I, I, I've met the neighbors to my south because our kids play together. Um, and I just today met the lady across the street. We literally live in a community and we haven't got there yet. Because, I mean, we're new, so I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like I hope that that becomes a community because I think there's something to be said about sitting on your front porch and we can we can dive into that here now but sitting on your front porch and you see jim and susie from down the street on their evening walk walk by and it's not just the obligatory hey how you doing but there can be legit conversation and you can ask about how you know their their grandkids are and they can see that your kids are playing in the yard with your dog and and you know how's school going And, and you know that is what my dream is for the the little the little cul-de-sac that we've moved in but america not just i mean society in general is going away from the front porch well and let's suss that out for a minute because i i don't want to i don't think it's completely social media is not the root cause of this i think i think it's i think it's definitely been that once social media kicked in to what it is today that was round and third going home because I can so I'm old enough to remember when I had a neighborhood beat cop you know I lived in the city and we we had neighborhood cops you knew who those cops were I had a letter carrier our mailman was the same guy every day except for Saturdays that's when you had to fill in and those things went away you know I, I was I, well, I had I, the same mailman and I, well I had a mailman and a mailwoman in Terre Haute and so on his two days off, I always had whatever her name was. And that's rare because well, I, I think. Know, but it was it was awesome because we built that relationship. Oh, yeah. And I think where I'm at now, I think I get a different person every day. But I was thinking about this. I I went to go visit someone in the hospital today to pray with them. And they were watching old TV shows. And it was um, Give Me a Break, a TV show from the 80s, had Joey Lawrence and like when he was a little itty bitty kid. But. But there's a recurring character on this who's the cop who keeps coming to their house. And I think that 
the patriarch of the house was the old police chief or something. But I'm like, a kid today watching the show has no concept of why they have a neighborhood cop who's always at their house. Because if a cop came to your house, if a police officer came to your house every day, <laughs> your neighbors would start wondering about you. Oh, absolutely. But I think those things went away. And I even think about voting. And it used to be, you know, depending, you know, if you, if you worked a nine to five job, you know, or you worked and, and you went to the polling place after work to vote, you went to your neighborhood polling place and you stood in line and and you you met with your neighbors. Some you met for the first time. Some maybe they were a couple of blocks over and you didn't come. You didn't cross paths very frequently, but it was an opportunity to. And then especially where I live. They pushed it out to these voting centers that you can go anywhere in town and vote. You didn't have to vote in your neighborhood anymore. Yeah, that was well. They started that two election cycles ago in, in the Hope. Well, they started it here like 15 years ago in Colorado. Well, again, the Hope is the times. Yeah, on most things. But it was weird because again, I, you know, coming from where I came from, like small town usa like yeah you went and voted at your precinct i mean in some of those places you voted in somebody's house in their garage if you were in that small enough town i know in texas some of the polling places were somebody's garage or business yeah ours was either a school or a church yeah but then i remember like but even churches too like that's the other thing yeah you would go to houses of worship to vote and not definitely not out here in Terre Haute, it went from uh the school to the the grocery store to a church to just some abandoned office. So, I mean, they, they changed them almost every year, but it was, there was no consistency. And so then you don't see the same people that you're, which I guess can be a good thing because you meet new people, but then are you really going to the voting polls to meet people? No, and but you had that, from, that moment of camaraderie. experience that the first time I voted in Terre Haute, we still used pencils and you had to color in the little scantron. And I was looking at the guy next to me and I said, Hey, what'd you get for number two? And they threatened to arrest me. Oh yeah. You were electioneering. <laughs> I was electioneering because I asked what he got for number two. Um, I, so then they went electronic. Thank God. And where I live, you don't have to go vote because every registered voter in the state of Colorado gets a mail-in ballot. So you don't even have to go to a polling place. That seems safe. Oh, are we putting on a red hat? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I may be throwing up a red flag, but I'm not putting on a uh, But I think that this this has been a process now for like 20 years and probably even longer than that before we were cognizant of it, where it seems – you know, and, and, and I think social media has definitely exacerbated it because you have people thinking, oh, I, I'm really close with all these people and I have this false sense of community. But now I'm going to put on my conspiracy theory hat. And I do think that COVID. Oh, we're going to this place. The pandemic is the straw that broke the camel's back like that. That was a chance to, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to I guess I'm going to tick some people off. I live in a very liberal place. Where, you know, I, I live amidst a, a, a sea of Teslas and with license plates that say like no gas, no emit, you know, they have all these vanity plates. But yet they're sitting and granted, OK, so the Teslas, they're they're not really idling. You know, they're not really putting out any emissions, but other cars, charge them. especially in a state where most of our electric power is still on coal. But. You have all these cars idling and drive throughs like nobody will get out and go in to get a cup of coffee and interface with the person behind the counter. And now the whole trend is there's restaurants. I mean, I read about a I think it's a Taco Bell in Columbus, Ohio, that it, it looks like a make like a huge bank drive through. It's like eight bays. You have no human interaction at all because the food just comes down a chute from the second floor. There's a Chipotle now that has no dining room. Can like, I tell you, though, real quick, that Dr. Wife, that is her dream because she's so introverted. Oh. If she could go through a drive through and not have to interact, she just says what it wants and it just pops down and she taps <laughs> hard. That is her dream. So maybe maybe we have maybe Ashley will be our first guest and we could suss out like I loathe drive throughs 
I will bet you five dollars she is not our first guest. <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot stand drive-throughs. Like no, I will get out all the time, and maybe I'm impatient, and and I'm struggling with that. But I also I I do like sort of the interaction. The same way I cannot stand the self checkout at the grocery store. So let's look at it from a different perspective. Now that you've you know you brought the the dreaded c word into it, uh, COVID for you people with your head in the gutter. Um, it's it's really taking a hit on community outside of restaurants. But let's look at the church. Oh yeah, that's 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 a great. Every, everything went online. Like we were forced to shut the buildings down. And we did that because it's what we needed to do. I'm not saying that if you did shut your your church down and go completely online, good for you. You did the right thing. If you didn't, good for you. You did the right thing. Um, I'm going to straddle that fence real quick. But I know firsthand I've had people that faithful, like, attenders and and swear up and down. They want to be part of a community and they want to – they want to push this community and they want to be involved and they want to, but then when, when things started to lighten up and we could come back, they didn't show up unless they were specifically supposed to do something. And, and when yeah. asked, their response was, well, it's just so much easier to watch it on the couch from our pajamas. Correct. And, and it, not knowing that sense of fellowship. And I can remember sitting there thinking like, dude, how are you, how are you positively affecting our community? You know, little Susie, how is she getting fed? Um, not just spiritually, but with interaction, right? What about how every Sunday before COVID, you would give the little old lady a hug before church and let her know that you loved her and that you were excited to see her? And that did wonders for her soul. And now she's been shut up in her house for six months to a year and we're finally back and now you're not doing that because it's just easier to stay home well and it's this you know i i think it doesn't matter where you are geographically we fight this issue in the church and it's been for a long time and i think it's it's probably a little heavier concentrated out here where i'm at but you get these answers like well i don't need to go to church the mountains are my church or the lake is my church or football is my church and and forsaking the fellowship in that. And I think COVID, it proved it for them. Like, well, see, I don't need church. I've got YouTube. In fact, I don't even have to watch it live unless you were like on a Zoom call kind of church. But if you were doing a live stream over YouTube or Facebook Live or something like that, well, I, I can go watch it at two o'clock on a Tuesday and I'm going to go to brunch. Now that you brought that up. Have to, it, I don't even have to be a part of a local church. I can be a part of Johnny Max Church out in California. Yeah. Or God. I don't think I don't think he was live streaming. He probably wasn't, <laughs> but that was the best. I, or God forbid, you know, Joel Osteen or Stephen Furtick's church. You know, like. I... Yeah. Now my pastor's are, my pastor's a rock star pastor, and and I'm 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 part of this bigger community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's. We have forsaken what we were made for. So I don't want to hash this out. Like I, I have, I think I agreed with it during the moment, and and I took part of it as as part of a church body that went remote and and preaching a few times remotely, filling in at at, at other churches. But in hindsight, I really now disagree with the the Zoom communion. Um, I, I understand it for what it was during at the time, you know, you taking if you were on Zoom, taking community, hey, go get your bread and juice and we're going to take it together over this over this video call. I get it at the time, but I, I think that. And I, I bring up communion because of this. So I, I visited with a woman today who's a member of the church that I pastor. We just, we just took the long like bypass around everything and hit every topic in between to come back to this. It's the beauty. And let me tell you, I'm here for it. It's, it's you know, I'm a big fan of the Happy Rant and the Happy Rant podcast. Shout out to the Happy Rant. 
But Ted yeah. Clark, when he closes it every time, he's like, gentlemen, we have wandered to and fro. <laughs> and and that's what we are today. We're kind of wandering. But I think we're all in the same ballpark. But I, I sat with this woman who's who's homebound. Um, she she's stricken with MS. Her and her husband are both pretty ill. And, and COVID kind of elevated some of that fear for them for their immune systems. So they don't come, but she's, she's been hospitalized and she's at a rehab center. So I, I went today and, and I sat with her for a while. We watched some, give me a break. And and we talked and then I asked her if she wanted to come to the Lord's table and we took communion together, just, just her and I, and she hasn't taken it with anybody. And again, I, you know, I am, I, I definitely am, am Calvinistic I am reformed and, and just even in, in, in a sense of orthodoxy, I don't think communion should be taken in small groups and communion shouldn't be taken like at your family dinner table and communion shouldn't be taken, you know, at weddings and things like that. Right. It is it is for the body of believers to do oh. together. But I think when you're providentially hindered and in certain situations, it's OK, like being homebound or hospitalized. And she hasn't taken communion probably for three years since before COVID. And, and that's the thing is I think communion brings us to the horizontal and the vertical senses of community, right? The, there's the, the vertical dimension of, of Christian fellowship in our, when we go to communion that we're, we're sharing fellowship with Christ, but that, that horizontal dimension is definitely that we're sharing we're sharing a fellowship with each other. And, and that's, you know, it makes me think of, I'm going to botch this, but I think it's it's 1 Corinthians 10, 17 says, um, because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. You know, and, and I, I think that church, the church, and I've been a part of this because I've been on staff at these churches or I, I've been a member at churches like this. Churches remove the community from communion. If that makes sense. I mean, I've been on staff with churches that had self-serve stations, you know, especially, you know, either through intention or separating juice cups and 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 the bread and you can go. I was on staff at a church where our communion rule was you get up and go anytime you want to and have communion by yourself. And that's not it's not communion, because the whole point, whether, you, you know, you use that word or, you know, I think we've both been part of churches where that communion word, that that's a very big C Catholic word. And so we don't call it that. It's the it's the Lord's table or the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. It's still a, a, a sense of community. And I think the church is guilty of that, of of killing community in the church. Uh, yeah, yes. So. Yes. But. But there's a big button there. I, I can't okay. feel it. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Um, yes, I'm trying to think of how to suss this out without being like, you know what? You're wrong. Uh, so I love, 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 love what you did. Right. Like going to, to be with that. Like you're a part of her community. And right now her community is small uh, and you're a very big part of that. And that's great. Communion should have happened. Like she needed that in her life, and, and yes. Um, so I'm gonna let's rewind it a little bit to the Lord's table on uh, on Skype or Zoom or whatever. Zoom communion. Zoom communion. Um, our church did that. We would uh, during the the COVID rush, if you will, we would pre-record our services and then throw them out on YouTube. Right. Um, I'm certain it whatever church started at 10, I think is what time it started there. Um, and so the church that I was, I was serving at during that time, we were, we would record a children's sermon, which I would do. And some of those were really fun to create. Um, and then we would record an adult service that was mostly Dave. And on occasion I would, would fill in. Um, and then, so those would go up at 10 and then at 10 40 ish. 
we would all, everybody from the church would send a Zoom link and you could call in or you could video in or, or however. Um, and we would, because we were a part of a church that took communion every week. Right. Um, yeah, I was, I was serving in a restoration church, which is really funny because everybody's like, oh, you're a Southern Baptist serving in a restoration movement church. How does that work? And it's like, well, let me explain it to you. But anyway, I digress. So, you know, we took it every week. And so we would get on. And while we weren't physically together, we were together. Sure. Bye. And I, I, now, do I think we should have continued doing that after we started meeting? In- that when we started coming back, those that were for health reasons uh, couldn't come. Should we have gone to their house to do communion with them through a window? Absolutely. Sure. Um, but I, I just, I can't think that it was wrong. Well, and I don't think it's wrong. Like, I don't want, I'm not critical. I, I took part of it. For me personally, in hindsight, if it was to happen today, I wouldn't do it. See, I think I still would. But I did do it. And I'm well, not going to be critical of those who who did do it because I, I understand why they did it. But I think for some of those churches, particularly, I can think of a couple of churches that I've been involved in on staff or, you know, as a, in, in some sort of a leadership role. Um, I think it was really easy for them to move to Zoom communion, for lack of a better term, because they had already removed the community from communion. Okay, see that, maybe I just lost track of your ramblings. No, I probably, I'm a rambler. (laughs) Well, because, you know, once you said that, that triggered me. And then I had, I was formulating my response. So I missed that part. That's on me. No, Uh, and I I think I did. I don't don't think it's wrong. I I understand why you all did it. In fact, I did it with your church and I did it with other churches. I just think for me, in hindsight, I, I would not partake today. But no, I, I totally agree that churches have taken the community out of out of communion by the way that it's done. But and I, th- I think that is uh, maybe that's the chicken and this is the egg, or maybe that's the <laughs> chicken, whatever. Who but came I think first? Also, yeah, we've taken the community out of community and society. Yes. Because we don't, again, we don't want to deal with our neighbors. We. I'm just so tired after I come home from work and I, you know, I, I get it. When I get home from work, I'm emotionally exhausted from what I deal with. Um, and what do you do when you're that tired from work after you put the kids to bed? What do you do? Cause I know what I do. I have those days that I'm tired and I don't want to deal with anything. Is this the time that you make fun of how I unwind? No. Cause I got to tell you how I unwind. I think we well, probably unwind like similarly. Say, what I would like to say is that I, you know, drink a glass of wine in a bubble bath like an adult but no i turn all the lights off find some random show that i'm watching or binge watching and turn it on on my ipad and then i play playstation with the tv on mute and i play baseball or football well it's better than me watching the same tv shows over and over and over again bro i'm i'm what am i watching right now that i just finished boy meets world Okay, I went back and watched Boy Meets World from the beginning because I'm 37 and I'm like having an issue with not being, you know, a kid anymore. So I had to go back to my childhood, but I digress. But no, I think that we're we're so emotionally tired when we get home or, you know, when, when most people are coming home, maybe you're going to work second or third shift and we're just too busy to be in community. I remember when I was a kid, Baseball was a huge part of my life, right? Like summer and, and spring, like I was playing baseball. And I didn't do travel ball because that wasn't a huge thing because I'm old. But, um, you know, I remember like going to the ballpark and my mom would, if she wasn't the dugout mom that night, like she's talking, like all the parents knew each other. Right. Even from other towns. Like when, when Beaverdam would play Hartford or when Hartford would play whoever we played i don't know but like we all knew each other you know, oh how's your grandma and, you know my favorite phrase is, hey how's your mom and them okay that's 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 gonna be my new come online that's weird so 
Let me ask you this, though, about that example, about your family at church. I mean, at, at the ballpark. They'd go into the ballpark for sake church. They still had a church home, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I didn't grow up in church, so. No, but some of those folks probably had a church home. Oh, but, yeah, they weren't skipping church to come to the ballgame because their ball games were Monday, you know, sometime during the Monday through Friday in the evening. And now that ball game, that ballpark is their church. Yes, and that is affecting multiple communities because travel ball, there is no community because you're not playing the same people over and over. It's yeah. different teams from different areas, and you're not trying to get to know them on a deeper level because you really just want to beat their brains in on the field and then mock them from the stands. <laughs> um, not that I am like that at all. Um, and we made, a, we made a commitment when Turner was young. I, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan. Uh, Turner didn't have a choice. He's named after a baseball field. Like, he was going to love baseball. And he does, thankfully. Not sundressed. But um, we we decided really young, like, Turner could be one of the best ball players in the league. He wasn't going to play travel ball because weekends are precious to us. We visit family or we spend time with each other. And then church, like, we're not sacrificing. And at that time, I was, I, you know, I was on staff. So I couldn't because, you know, I had to go to work. But we weren't going to sacrifice that time with our family and our community for that. And that's where our choice came. Um, and I know we've rambled a lot about community. Um, what are your thoughts on the state of community right now? Like, our listeners are, you know, Brandon, friend of the show. Um, you know, Dr. Ashley, Dr. White, friend of the show, uh, you know, friends that we don't know your name that are our listeners, or maybe you've stumbled across us for the first time. Welcome to the dumpster fire. The, uh, the, 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 the hipster. Our, our one, our one downloader from the great white North in Canada. Yeah, bro, sis, whatever. Um, if you are listening to this and you are from Canada, one, love your country. Always have. Uh, two, hit us up on social, man, or girl, whatever. It's at Hill Hipster Pod, and and uh, you know you can you can hit us up, and and we'll definitely take some Tim Hortons. I don't know what that means off the top of my head. It's a donut shop in Canada. It's it's amazing. Oh, bro, you had me at donut. Let's do this. Um, so yeah, hit us up. But for those of you who aren't our Canadian friend, what what are your th- and our Canadian friend? What uh, what are your thoughts on community and how it relates to society now? And uh, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Are we coming out of this and we're gonna somehow end up back at Mayberry? Because I know life is cyclical, cyclical, is cyclical the right cyclical. word? Cyclical, cyclical, or circular. Circular. That's probably the word I was looking for. And circular just shot out. But like life tends to go in a circle, right? So maybe one day we'll end up back at Mayberry. Um, and I'm I'm about that life because then maybe I could whistle then. But whatever. So are we headed back to are we are we nowhere near that and we're staying isolated and what are you doing to push community where you are? Yeah, it's a good question. That's a good point. So if you do uh, just you want to interact, tell us you don't like this forty some odd minutes of banter. Um, Maybe a little rambling. I'm going to have to do some editing this week. I'm actually going to have to do a little work on this thing. But definitely hit us up on Twitter at at HillHipsterPod. Or you can email us at HillHipsterPod at gmail.com. Andy, what what, what you got going on this weekend? My mom and stepdad are coming into town tomorrow. Um, they're on fall break or getting ready school schedule goes. They work at uh, the Oneida Baptist Institute. Uh, my dad runs the farm. My mom does the HR and the billing. Um, so they, they get a few days off. And so they're coming in. I'm going to come stay with us for a few days uh, and then stay with my, uh, my granddad and uh, my aunt for a few days. Uh, we're going to have the boys' birthday party this weekend. So... Lots of lots of family time coming up. I'm excited. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm getting ready for training at work. That is gonna 
so for those who, of you who don't know, in a few weeks, I, I head off to training for work, and they're going to pepper spray me, and I'm terrified. Like, I'm already, it's, it's like four weeks away, and I'm already having nightmares about getting pepper sprayed. And I think we're recording an app that night. Yeah, we're going to, um, you know, I'll try it. If I get somebody who can sneak their, their phone in and record it, that'll go on the Hill Hipster Twitter um, the moment that the pepper spray hits me. Um, and if not, we're definitely going to record so I can I can cry with you guys. Well, and this weekend, of course, the Mets will take the NL East from the Braves. And I thought maybe you and I can we can watch the game together a little bit Saturday night. It's national broadcast. We can kind of FaceTime or you could pick the video conferencing of your choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could probably arrange my, uh, my laughter and your tears. So we, we lost tonight to the Nationals. We took two out of three, which is awesome. Uh, and then you split a two-game series with uh, the Marlins as of tonight. And so you're one game up with six games left in the season. And three games against you. Three And, and really, I don't even – I think it'll go to, you know, the sixth game. I think that last game of the season will decide it. Well, after uh, we sweep you, it'll all be done. It'll be done on Sunday in Atlanta. You – who hurt you? <laughs> tells me all the time. I said, man, when, uh, on the way to school this morning, I said, hey, the Mets play the Braves this weekend. Uh, and when the Braves beat the Mets at least two out of three, I'm going to call and make fun of Chad. And Turner goes, don't do that, Dad. You'll hurt his feelings. <laughs> That's right. You hurt my feelings. So SunTrust uh, really loves you. All right. Well, it's been a, a wild it's been a wild rambling ride tonight, but I think we covered a lot of grounds about community. And, and I realized that, you know, 20 year old me hates this me because I'm about to formulate the opinion that because we removed the church from community and everything else, that's been the demise of community. <laughs> I can get behind that. And on I, that note, I got to go because I got to get to Denny's. All right, see ya.